So this just might be one of the most special episodes that I've recorded in the past two years on the show. One of the best parts about putting an idea out into the world, in this case, how might we design schools, is that you begin to invite in the stories of others. And this is a particular story that, if I'm being honest, I don't think I would have thought to have captured on my own, let alone known that this kind of story even existed. If I can be candid, custodians were just on the bottom, of, you know, on the bottom of the ocean. Now we're up here and, and, and we're proud of that. It just took one person to be able to believe that showcasing your work and especially in, in like, you know, like Gabriel said, when he first started, it was just an innocent picture. And then it carried on from there. And then now they want to, you know, they want to tag music and they want to tag all, you know, all kinds of stuff. But it showcases our work because I think at the end of the day, we, not that we want to get patted on the back, but we want to be recognized individually want to be recognized hey you're doing a good job and when we go out there and, and talk to the casinos we really mean that you know we mean that because like gabriel says i come from the from the people the people side and uh we're people before we're anything else so this the, the social media is able to portray that when they see those pictures so that's jj and he's part of the building services team at santa Ana unified school district I am honored to have JJ, Gabriel, Lizette, and Emmanuel here with me today on the show to talk about how the building services team has been thinking about leadership and social influence. The one unanimous sentiment you're going to hear from them throughout this episode is that doing this work gave them a voice. We went from being nobody to being somebody they shared. How do you navigate change? It's a question we think about often and one that today's world expects us to be comfortable with. The challenge, however, is where do you begin and how do you develop the mindset and skills to be successful? You're listening to Designing Schools and I'm your host, Dr. Saba Kidwai, educator, researcher, and storyteller. Join me each week for stories and strategies that bridge the gap between research and practice as together we explore how might we design schools? So this wasn't intentional, but the first episode of the season was with Superintendent Jerry Almandarez, who shared why he believed in the importance of leadership and social influence for his district and beyond. And it just so happens that the last episode of the season is with his building services team sharing how they brought his vision to life. In our conversation, they echo Jerry's views about how leveraging social media platforms to share our stories and the work we do builds trust, encourages creativity, and as JJ shared, provides an opportunity to recognize the accomplishments of others. After introducing this idea to his faculty and staff, Jerry talked about how his building services team inspired him with how they created a social presence. We can't design schools in isolation. It truly takes the unique strengths and talents of each member of your faculty, staff, students, and community to come together. So I'm honored today to close this powerful season on stories about transformational leaders with the building services team at Santa Ana Unified School District. I begin by asking them to share what inspired the team to create a social media presence to begin with? 
when I first became manager of custodial services, I was actually on acting for a long time. And you want to talk about struggle? Wow. I fought and fought and fought and fought to try to make this department better and to make it what it is now. And, and it wasn't easy. It really wasn't. There was a lot of struggles there, even our own internal struggles. Sometimes when you're, you're pushing for change, things get difficult. But going back into that, that time frame, we were doing so many things. We were doing so many things and we were, we were implementing a lot of change. And like I mentioned, a lot of time change comes with, with fear and it comes with apprehension and it comes with pushback. And starting the podcast was really, really my way of giving people the opportunity to voice what they were doing to help mitigate those fears. And I felt like kind of like with what Manny, Manny touched on earlier was that we kind of made the district feel a little bit smaller through this. And by giving everybody a voice, it became a very big, strong voice, but also at the same time, those fears mitigated because they felt like they had a voice. And when we were putting this together, the idea came up because there was a lot of conversations about the things that we were afraid of, but not very many conversations about the things that we were proud of. And when I had the opportunity to really realize that becoming the manager of this department was, or of that department at the time was an opportunity and a realistic one, I just felt like the people who had had it before didn't really tap into that. They didn't tap into the fact that, that we had a very, very passionate group of people and a very passionate group of people who cared. And there are a lot of things that the custodial department brought to the table when it came to making uh, making the community feel good about our school district and what we do, but it wasn't articulate. And when you look at the job description of a night custodian, it's very point blank. It's very cut and dry. You work from here to here and you clean. But that's not the true nature of a, of a custodian. The actual word custodian means caretaker. And that's what our people do. That's what our team does. They take care of the community. They take care of the school. And the whole point and purpose of the, the social media aspect was to give an outlet to highlight the job functions that weren't really highlighted in the job description, because that's the heart and soul of, of the department. It's what we do for the community away from the community. It's making people feel comfortable. It's making people feel safe when they walk into our, our district facilities. It's letting people know where to go. It's letting them know how to check in. The first person they see is always a custodian. When a, a community member walks onto our campus, it's always a custodian. The last person they see when they walk off is always a custodian. So in turn, why would we not want those people to be our best? Why would we not want them to have the biggest voice? And why would we not want them to highlight the passion that they have? And that was the whole point of the social media. If you look at the pictures behind me, you don't see too many pictures of me. It's all staff. It's all teams. It's all everybody highlighting their passion. And the really cool thing was it only took one or two posts of me kind of showing those types of things before I just started getting bombarded with pictures from team leads of their staff showing things, trying to highlight their own projects and, and things. And before you know it, you know, the rest of it just took off. Everybody started sending me pictures and stories and brief little, they were even sending me songs that they wanted me to tag when I posted it, you know? So it turned into its own thing. You'll hear this often in this episode. Having a social media presence gave us a voice. Listening to them share made me think about my own school experience and more recently, my own apartment building. Because it's true, the people I see the most and probably know the most by name are the caretakers. Another powerful takeaway that Gabriel shared was how it only took two to three examples of social media posts before people started sending him content to share. And I think this is a really important thing to remember. We all want to be seen, heard, and valued. In fact, that's how Brene Brown defines connection. 
She says it's the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. And a lot of times when we think about leadership and social influence, we think platforms, we think followers, we think likes, but it's not about that at all. It's about the communities we build, the trust we build amongst them, how we show up and support one another and inspire one another, but ultimately how it makes us feel seen, heard, and valued. I asked the team to share more about how having an online presence amplified their voice. I think for me, like I said, coming to Custodial, coming to the district world, I come from the customer service world. I come from the passion of people. I genuinely love people. I genuinely love listening to people, having people sit in my office for 15, 10 minutes, just listening to their story, listening to their struggles that, that they're going through. I myself started as a substitute custodian for a very short time. I think, you know, a lot of people come in here and, and they want to aspire to, to grow, to get pr promoted in different positions. I think my, my story personally can help them. Uh, I moved up to be a custodial manager in a very short period of time. And I was afraid of, what are they going to say? You know, he doesn't know anything about that field. He comes from the outside world. He comes from the customer service people field. And that's one of my biggest fears. But at the same time, like you said earlier, we, we kind of tend to focus on that. But I've always, I've always told my coworkers, let's go out there and, and it starts by one person. Let's create a culture of positivity. You know, create a culture of just offering the best that we possibly can. But it starts with you. And um, I still have that fear. I still have the fear at the moment, but I know what I can offer. I can offer an ear. I can, I can offer a shoulder. I can offer my story. It hasn't been easy for me personally. I've struggled tremendously to be able to move up. But where I come from, the word no to me doesn't exist. You know, no, you can't do that. No, you're not going to be able to do that. And I just kept pushing because I, I know my, I'm stronger than my will on my personal, on my personal life. So going back to what Gabriel's saying, I mean, we have an amazing, amazing custodians. And they're all living through different situations in life, you know, the struggles, successes. And if we're able to just work together and listen to one another, you know, I think from there, you know, work is something that can just be, they'll be happy coming to work. Like Gabriel says, just, just, lending, a, just lending an ear, just listening, and then be able to see my story, just being a substitute custodian and taking advantage of all, you know, in the Santa Ana School District, they offer so many courses and, and, uh, PD courses, professional development courses. I took advantage of a lot of those courses. They offered interview courses, customer service courses. I jumped on them and I tell them this and I try to encourage them to do this same thing. But that's still my fear. Like you said earlier, sometimes we focus more on that. But at the same time, I do look at the fact that I can't offer, you know, the customer service background that I come from in my story. You know, been here a very short amount of time. It shouldn't hopefully inspire them to be able to move up higher than I, than the position that I'm currently holding. But yeah, that's, that's, I'm still struggling with that fear, but I'm getting better. It starts with one person. This interview is an incredible example of the power of one person, one group of people taking the initiative to showcase who they are, what they do, and the unique value that they bring. It truly is one of the most powerful ways to build community. JJ brought up the fears that come along with taking on new roles and initiatives. Learning from our fears and failures matters. Managing them matters even more. Failures and fears can perpetuate a story inside our head that prevents us from taking action. 
I asked the rest of the team what some of their fears were in getting started and what they are most proud of. I'll touch on that one. So I have to be honest, I had absolutely no idea that we would have the reaction back from the community that we did. I think the timing, not to say that the timing of us launching the social media piece right before COVID was perfect because nothing was perfect in terms of preparing for COVID. But I don't feel we would have been as successful if we didn't have it. We got to show our community firsthand from the people who are actually boots on the ground doing the work, what we're doing and what our processes are. In, at least in the custodial world, we shift from a very, we, we, there was a huge shift of not only from the bottom of the totem pole to the top, because now all of a sudden everybody actually pays attention to what us as custodians are doing and scheduling and those types of things. But from the custodial side, we kind of exposed ourselves. We said, hey, here's what we do. Here's our process. This is how we do it. Community, is this good enough to you? Is this good enough for you? And that was very nerve wracking. It's scary to be in a public position and then open up yourselves and your work to the people who you're, you're serving and saying, hey, here's exactly our secret sauce. Here's from point A to point B, how we get our service done at the end of the night. And we opened it up to the community through social media. And I feel like they turned and said, hey, you know what? We love what you're doing. We appreciate it. And we're so grateful for the fact that you're doing. And I, I think it came at a time where the perception was everybody says they're doing something to push back against COVID and to fight it, but we don't see it. How are we fighting something we can't see with steps and measures that we also can't see? Because at the time there was a lot of uh, a lot of talks around you know preventative measures and things, but it was it was it wasn't something that was very much in your face at the very beginning of COVID. And you know you wear the mask, but you don't really see that it's actually helping. And I remember a lot of the conversations around the, the COVID prevention was, does this stuff really work? The standing here versus standing there is this really, but I feel like us showing, hey, we're in there, we're disinfecting, we're scrubbing walls. The science kept changing, but as the science kept changing and we said, oh crap, you know, we just posted this video showing that the community that we're fighting COVID by scrubbing walls with soap. Well, then, you know what? Then it turned out that the science didn't support that no more. And then we showed a video of us doing exactly what it was that the science supported. And every single time there was a new, a new development, a new incarnation, down to when Manny was making his video of him, you know, following our 710 process. And by then we had gotten into the science of everything. And we had known that, you know, hey, it's disinfect, the difference between disinfecting and cleaning. And, and, and we were breaking things down to the science of everything we were doing by the time we put that video together. But if you looked at when we had first started it, you know, it was scrub brushes, it was soap, it was just guys hustling and working. And then at the end of it, it was a very refined process. The community saw all of that. They saw us figure it out. And I feel like that's why they trusted us. We bought air purifiers that are these huge, huge pieces of equipment, but they do a very good job of, of filtering the air. Right. And our smart team put these things together. It's, it was a huge production. It was a huge production. And we posted the videos of our, our smart teams and our custodial teams building out. It was almost a thousand of these things that we built out and sent out to all the different schools. And we showed this, the, our custodians and our smart team putting up plexiglass. And we showed, we showed actionable, real things to our community. We showed them this is what we're doing to help. 
And I feel like just being very transparent and shifting from, oh, this is what we do. And we kind of keep it close to chest, but trust us, it's getting done to a very, here's what it is. Tell us what we could do better. Tell us what will make you feel better. And we get a lot of that through DMs. We get a lot of that through people reaching out, asking for email addresses and leaving comments. That was another huge, scary thing during COVID of people can reply to these videos and it's a public public space for the public to go ahead and poke holes in what they might know to be our cleaning process. And there are a lot of smart people in the community, you know, so you can't BS people. You have to be on point. And if you're going to share this magnitude of, of our process, it better be on point. It better be real. And I think giving the opportunity to our teams to be transparent and to grow and also at the same time, you know, engaging with the community as we were learning and as they got to see that we refined the process. I got comments from people in, in saying, hey, that doesn't work anymore. Or my science shows that that's not a real good process. And just acknowledging it and saying, okay, can you send me some information? Let me vet that. Let me, let me take that. To, it, it just opened up a world where we were all a lot more open to figuring things out. No matter who you are, we all have an innate fear that no one is interested in what we have to say, so we often don't even share. When we do begin to share our stories and the work we do, the surprises that follow are ones that you often never could have imagined. The way Jerry never imagined, this is what his building services team would create. One of the areas where they least expected this was the trust that was built and strengthened between the community and the district during one of the most stressful times that leaders experienced, the global pandemic. Prior to me being here and actually applying for the position, I had gone into the social media and I did come across the building services and I just wanted to be a part of it. So I took on and applied and so blessed that I am here and I have, you know, an amazing leadership team that I can work with. I have amazing custodians. I always appreciate the feedback that they provide. I always try to help them. And with the Instagram, we have this new thing where we actually take pictures when we bring in new subs. So we offer trainings for them in the bungalow and we just take pictures, we post them, we share them. And I was really impressed that when I, on the bio for the Instagram that I have, I actually added the link for EdJoin on the subcustodian position. And I was really surprised on how many people were really reaching out and, hey, like I've applied, like I'm really interesting. And, you know, like I've seen what you've posted, you know, and people comment on the post, share our post, and they really get to see what we are all about. And it's not a small department, it's a really big department. But I think that because we do work closely together, this is what makes us and, and we're an amazing department. <laughs> My biggest fear, honestly, and I feel like I never even said this to Gabriel, my biggest fear was when I first created the account and thought of the idea of adding the link on the bio and just sharing that we were still currently hiring. My fear was like, no one's not even going to see it. I don't have enough followers. And I'm like, Gabriel has over a thousand. Like, I, I just felt like, you know, who's going to see me? People are going to be confused and or who's really on social media and really looking at what we're posting. But no, I was really impressed. So that was, I guess, failing in that part. And I think we all are afraid of failure at some point. So I was really afraid that no one, but I was shocked that, you know, I was getting 
phone calls because I added my desk phone number to the Instagram account. And yeah, I was getting phone calls, voicemails, and yeah, that people wanted to come up and work. And, and luckily we brought most of those subs on board. So now we have them working. So I think that was my fear that I was going to go promote that we were hiring, but we were not going to have no one really look into it and want to apply. And we did had a, it, it was good. I guess one of my ongoing fears has been just not doing things right. I started in district a long time ago. I've been with the district about 22 years now. So I began as a substitute custodian and then became a night custodian, but it was a different world at that time. It was definitely different, different environment. It felt like custodians were just you left on your own to learn and, and grow as, as, as you went along the years. So it was, it was tough understanding what you were supposed to do and really getting to know what, what, um, what you were doing. So, um, Luckily, you build relationships with custodians and with plants, with uh, other staff, and, and you begin to uh, learn how everything moves. But along the way, this department began a, a, a very uh, unique transformation and began to you know, turn into something that was bringing people together. One of those was bringing, uh, making teams out of all the sites and bringing all the custodians to, to unite. So we began to understand where everybody was, what you, what everybody was doing. And then a little bit after that, we began, or, or the department began making classes and giving us trainings and then bringing us closer and closer each time that it, it really, you know, began to turn and feel like a, like a home. So after that, social media came on and it, it even, even more, it grew even stronger that, that unity just got stronger and stronger. And even uh, I can say one of my experience, I was used to, I mean, one of the videos that uh, a previous custodial supervisor made, I was involved in that. And, and that made me proud, made me feel proud that I was part of that. And it went out to everybody and they, they got to see that. And I would have never imagined that I would, you know, become or, or be part of that, something like that. And that's just one of many unexpected surprises. I asked the team to share some other stories about what surprised them upon taking the initiative to lead with social influence. We turned into somebody and I don't think we saw that coming. I think when I first got the custodial manager job, we didn't meet too much. We had a a, kind of a a all-inclusive in service once a year. And one of the things that we did do, you know, every so every, I would say maybe quarterly, we had leads meetings where they would just bring the team leads together and they would kind of dictate to us what was going to happen and what the conversation was going to be. And, and and it was good. It was good. It was, it was the start of something new, right? So you wouldn't, it wouldn't be right for me to talk about all the amazing things that we're ta- that we've done in the department. If I don't also kind of touch on what happened before we had two managers before uh, Ilario and Paul Arroyos is now currently the, the manager of the grounds department. But when I started off in custodial, and, and I'm sure back when Manny was a night lead, those two gentlemen were, were running the department. And before that, it was a completely different alignment. And I feel like they kind of created the framework, kind of like what Manny touched on right now a little bit. And then we took that and we saw, okay, we see what the framework was. I think we see the vision and let's take it and now let's make it our vision. Let's take this framework that we have and let's let's apply us to it. And and when I say us, I was given the opportunity to jump in and fill in as a acting manager for for a while. 
And during that time, I, I watched a lot and I paid a lot of attention and I just listened and realized that there was a lot of conversations happening individually, but nobody really having those together. So when we, we came on and I, I brought, we really put an emphasis on bringing the teams together through those leads meetings and really listening to the feedback and the conversations really that were happening before and after the leads meeting, because that's really when that real unbiased, raw conversation from the teams, right? When everybody's together and the things that are happening and the conversations that are happening before the agenda comes out. And we started that and we just kept it going and kept it going. And one of the things that I, I felt was, you know, the teams really like getting together, but the conversation piece that we're giving, again, it's just, it's very cut and dry informational. So then we said, you know what? Omar Isolding joined the school district and he oversees our professional development. Kim and I locked arms and we said, you know what, let's, let's bring Stack over. And we created these really, really, really cool professional development classes. And when I say we, I, I meant the then incarnation of the custodial leadership team. And again, I have to touch on some amazing individuals because when you're talking about some things that I didn't see coming and I opened up this long soliloquy by saying we became somebody, this at the time incarnation of the custodial leadership team was myself, my counterpart at the time, Roman Torres, who has now moved on to Norwalk. Lamrada, he's doing some great things over this over there. Sam Perez was at the time a roving lead on special assignment, and then we eventually were able to create the custodial supervisor position that he took on, and then later vacated for Manning to take. And he's now overseeing the custodial manager position and the entire department for San Francisco Unified. So when I say that we became somebody, we became somebody, and everybody started moving on. So the incarnation of the custodial leadership that was a couple of years ago when we kind of built this new version of the platform is all completely gone, including myself, because I've now been promoted here within the district. I've been blessed. But the current incarnation is completely unforeseen. I don't think any of us saw this, but, you know, Manny was, um, he was a night lead, roving lead custodian just two years ago. And like you mentioned, Sam reached out to him and asked him to be a part of a video. And once he was on that video, man, he started throwing his name in the hat for more projects and more things. And bam, now you go. He's a supervisor filling in for my position that just vacated. And that happened within two years. JJ, same thing. He was a sub-custodian for a long time. He was working his butt off, but he was paying attention to the custodial leadership team that was there. He was helping us with a lot of those things. And then he moved on to maintenance. And when people started moving on and vacating, because he was a part of the process as a sub and helped us with so many things, he jumped, he jumped over and started applying. But I would have to say that one of the biggest, biggest, biggest surprises that have come from this would be Gladys, our current custodial supervisor. She's filling in right now and she couldn't be here today. And then Lizette, because Lizette mentioned to me when, in her interview, when she was interviewing for the job, she said, I, inter I applied because I saw the social media piece. And her application was on point. But then when she interviewed, you could feel the passion. You could feel her passion when she talked about being a former student at Corinas. You could feel the passion when she talked about why she wanted to sit at that desk because she knew that most of our custodians were Spanish speaking and she knew that she was going to be able to give them a voice. And when she said that, in my opinion, I was like, okay, we, we still have a lot of interview questions to go, but, but she's killing it. She's killing it. And of course, she killed the rest of the interview and she got hired in a now here we are. And I feel like she's on borrowed time too, because I feel like she's going to be promoting soon too, but it, it just continues. Custodial at one point was viewed as, I, and, and this is a quote from one of our roving leads. He told me, I feel like we're always at the bottom of the total pool. And I would say that our biggest surprise is now we're at the top. 
we're right at the top. And to the point where we keep getting poached and it's really stressful for me because I have to keep trying to find guys that could jump in and train and, and fill the holes that, that vacate. But, you know, Roman Torres is an incredible individual. He's doing great things in, in Norwalk and so is Sam Perez. And um, now, though, we have Manny Vega, who's 20 years uh, roving lead experience, and then John Gonzalez, who brings a wealth of just people knowledge. So I would say that would be the biggest, the biggest surprise. Well, I was going to say something that surprised me as far as uh, uh, social media goes, was, uh, you know, seeing custodians start posting and growing their social media because they kind of share and and uh, in the same uh, goals and interests that here with the they, they love Santa Unified School District and and they really enjoy sharing what they do at their sites. So it's it was to me very surprising to to see them, you know, make small videos of themselves and and, and pictures and and just post it and, and share it with everybody and. and and now they're they're out there. They're known. They're they're um, they're growing. I've always said, you know, what is the most beautiful name in the world? And that's our name, right? And then who is the most important person in the room? Not being selfish, which is us. And with social media, with the Instagram, and I mean, like, if I show you my phone, and I'm sure Manny Gladys on the set, I show you our phone. We have over three thousand pictures, probably. Anything and and everything that that the custodians do from anything and. You know, they love to be recognized on Instagram. The principals see it, you know, the, the teachers see it, the kids see it. Sometimes we're working 11, 12 o'clock at night, you know, and we want to showcase our work. We want to show the passion that we care. Like Gabriel said, we want to make sure that our students, from a father's perspective, I want to make sure that my, my son goes into a clean classroom. And like I said, I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I went, I attended Willard. I didn't know I attended Willard. I was in, in the band of Santa Ana High School in 1977. You know, my daughter graduated from Century. Uh, my son graduated from Santa Ana High School. And so I'm like, I am Santa Ana, not that I realize, but just having the social media and having the having the Instagram really showcase how amazing our team is, you know, the amazing work that we do. We didn't have that before. You know, like Gabriel said before, we, we seriously, if I, be, if I can be candid, custodians were just on the bottom of, you know, on the bottom of the ocean. You know, and now we're, now we're up here and, and, and we're proud of that. It just took one person to be able to believe that showcasing your work, and especially in, in like, you know, like Gabriel said, when he first started, it was just an innocent picture. And then it carried on from there. And then now they want to, you know, they want to tag music and they want to tag all, you know, all kinds of stuff. But it showcases our work because I think at the end of the day, we, not that we want to get patted on the back, but we want to be recognized. Uh, individually, we want to be recognized. Hey, you're doing a good job. And, and, when we go out there and, and talk to the custodians, we really mean that. You know, we mean that because, like Gabriel says, I come from the from the people the people side, and uh, you know, we're people before we're anything else. So this the, the social media is able to portray that when they see those pictures. So, and the community itself, you know, the parents are able to see the pictures. So yeah, I mean, Gabriel couldn't have said it any better. We became somebody, and and I'm proud of that. We became somebody, they said. Not only did they become somebody, the entire team has advanced into different positions within and beyond the district. If you talk to anyone who practices leadership and social influence, they'll share similar stories. It's the power of living at the intersection of what you know, who you know, and then sharing what you can do with what you know. 
The stories they shared highlight the ripple effect that takes place when just one person begins to take that initiative to share. I imagine many people feel the way that this team did. And I hope it inspires you to take the action to share your work, your ideas, and your unique strengths. I first met Gabriel when he reshared the podcast from Jerry's interview on Instagram. It sparked a conversation between us that led to this very interview. When I reposted that story that Gabriel shared to my story on Instagram, I had somebody else join the conversation, and you might recognize her from an earlier episode. It's Denise, an associate professor at San Diego Miramar College. And she shared with me the research on the power of relationships between support staff and students, particularly students of color. Here's Denise telling us a little bit more about the research that she shared. So this is research out of um, the Teaching Men of Color in the Community College Guidebook and research from Dr. Luke Wood, Dr. Frank Harris III, and Dr. Khalid White. And part of the model they were talking about in terms of student success of students of color had to do with the college environment and that this idea of the campus ethos had the most influence on student success for students of color especially, and that the most central elements included belonging, welcomeness to engage, and validation. And what I thought was most interesting is in the welcomeness to engage section, they were talking about how students of color particularly might not feel welcomed on campus. They might not feel like they belong there. And that really simple actions matter a lot for students beyond the classroom so that when they're on campus, if they are walking around and they have interactions with faculty, such as waving or saying hello, that it can go a very long way in fostering these conditions that support engagement, which then support student success. And one thing that they noted was that sometimes the faculty interactions were minimal for students of color, but that um, students noted, and this is a quote, that they were more likely to have meaningful and welcoming relationships with maintenance personnel, groundkeeper and groundkeepers and cafeteria workers than their faculty members. And I just found that so interesting that the support staff and the staff that sometimes we feel are invisible on campus or in school situations are somehow sometimes the people that have the most interaction with our students on a daily basis outside of the classroom and that they have a very, very big impact on students feeling welcomed and belonging in their school setting or their environment. This is truly one of the most emotional episodes they've done. And the stories you're about to hear from the team about their own experiences as students and the stories about the students that they serve now are just a strong reminder to check in on those around you. To pause and remember that grades, that assignment from last night, and being five minutes late are some of the most trivial things that we so often place ahead of people's mental health and well-being. In the long run, how we make people feel matters how we support people matters, and how we help people build confidence and overcome adversity is what people remember about us. I grew up in Senate and I grew up, you know, 
it's a huge large large urban school district and you hear you know you hear that term thrown out a lot especially when you start getting into into the leadership world of a school district and you hear about it when people talk about the challenges that a district of this magnitude and this demographic basis, right? And you hear people talk about the challenges from very blanket terms and things that they read. But the truth of the matter is, growing up here, you feel it, you know it, you see it. And that's how I grew up. You know, I, I grew up the exact same way as all of our students. So when I was a kid, we got a lot of Christmas presents from programs like Santa and SLS. And like I mentioned, you know, when I grew up and when I was a student here, um, my brothers and sisters, you know, we were homeless and we bounced around from a lot of different schools. And one of the things that <laughs> when I was a student uh, at, at Santiago Elementary School, there was a, a custodian there by the name of Steve. And every single morning I was late because my mom was driving me from way across town and I really shouldn't have been going to Santiago. This was before Santa Ana Unified became a district of choice. And we get to pick and choose the schools that we want to go to based on the programs that we want to focus our kids on. But at the time it was very much whatever school you, you whatever Democrat, whatever neighborhood you lived in, that was the school you had to go to. And I was supposed to be going to Washington, which was way on the other side of town. But at Santiago, uh, I, I was going in and like I mentioned, every single day I was late because at the time we were homeless and we were moving around a lot and we were, you know, sleeping at different family members' houses and driving and every day I was late. The only person on that campus who knew how I lived and knew how I really, 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 why I was late and the challenges that I was facing was Steve, the plank custodian. When I would get there and whenever I was sleeping um, at my grandma's house and I was actually close enough to walk to, to, to school or ride my bike, usually my bike would have problems with the inner tube and I had, you know, I needed some air. Almost every single day when I got to school, Steve would fill my my bike up with air, help me chain it up, and then walk me to the office because I was late. And when, from there, you know, I would get my little slip and I would get my, my detention and then he would be around and he would walk me to my classroom and tell me, hey, you know what, at least you got here. And he used to do these things where he would draw out these Speedy the Turtles because that was their mascot. And he would give them to kids who got what they called green slips. So any kid who got a green slip, any kid that was good, got these speedy the turtles, right? And and everybody, everybody got to keep them. And, and we would almost kind of like trade them like collector's cards. But if you were constantly in detention for being late, you never got a speedy the turtle. Well, I remember always feeling so horrible and even being upset with my mom. Like, hey, I don't get to get one because I'm late all the time. Well, Steve, um, Steve one day, he gave me a stack of just every original he had ever drawn and it was so cool so cool because it made me feel like i was good enough and i never told him thank you but i think that and some other stuff that happened later on that made me feel very comfortable about you know making my career into a custodian because that man showed me empathy and he showed he showed that people care I wanted to just kind of feedback on what Gabriel was saying. Thank you, Gabriel, for sharing. Throughout the district and, you know, different, different, throughout the different seasons, we, we hold a big part of the Christmas presents, and it's called the, the, the Senna. And custodial is a big part of that, you know, because we gather trucks. It's a massive, massive operation. But when you see the reward of picking up all these presents from different, you know, donations, we have the gift. We have the gifts. Uh, for example, we had them at the gyms. Families would come in, you know, pick up the, the toys. Uh, my personal story was I brought my boys um, to volunteer. And, uh, you know, I never told anybody this now that we're, you know, now that we're sharing a little bit. My son, I think there were, it was like four years ago. So they, my son would walk them, 
walk the family and the boys or whoever it was to grab the toys and then we'll walk them around the whole gym. Um, and my son came to me after after one day and he said that he says, this was harder than I thought. I go, what are you talking about? It's easy. All you do is walk around and, you know, help the kids pick out some toys. And he goes, no, that this is this is really hard for me because some kids just really don't have anything for Christmas. And it was really touching because it was very touching for him to be able to be part of, you know, just giving back. And that's been a big success throughout the district is is being involved with the community in that sense. But it just took a big, big impact on my son because he just he didn't think that just him, you know, just him volunteering uh, would make other family happy or smile. But that was a big impact for him, impact for me as well. And that's that's what we do, what we do. You know, we give back. We don't say no. We just say when and where. But like I say, that's just personal story what I wanted to touch on. And we still have those throughout the year. And that's why, you know, you see the smile on the kids' faces and, and that just puts you in perspective of where, where you are in life, you know, where you're appreciative in life for the things that we do have. But I wanted to share that with you guys. Yeah. And I think that's such a powerful experience to know that you have the power to make an impact, no matter how big or how small it is. Like to your son's point, we often think, well, what is that going to do? Like, how, how am I going to make a difference? What can I do? But to know that, wow, like something as simple as a smile, you know, makes such an impact is it's a really, really powerful, I think, lesson to learn for perspective just in the things that you do. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. I have a couple of stories. Uh, I also grew up in Santa Ana. So I, I was going to one of the elementary schools and I met this really cool plant custodian, uh, Jesse Ornelas, who unfortunately passed away some years away, uh, ago. But he was the one that kind of saw something in me and, and, and asked me, hey, you should, you should come back, you know, when you grow up. So as I grew up, I joined a, a program, a summer youth employment program, and I went to work with him. And yeah, and then uh, after that, he said, hey, you, you got to apply directly with the district now. So once you turn, you know, 18, come back. And he kind of really pushed for me to get in and help me. He kind of, you know, he was my guide. So I was really thankful to that gentleman for a very long time. And I always came, you know, went back to see him all the time just to talk to him and, and see how he was doing all the way until he, he passed away. So that was that, the beginning of my, my, my uh, journey here with SAUSD. And then after that, while I was working, uh, covering for a plant custodian position, I began to see in the mornings where a student was being dropped off very, very early in the morning at 6 a.m., whether it was raining, cold, heat, whatever, you know, student was always there at 6 a.m. So, you know, I began to let him in earlier onto campus and even open a building for him to, to have a, a warmer space to be in while he waited for the rest of the students to come in and, and, and school to actually open up. So, you know, that kid never forgot. So he, he was always thankful and came back to, you know, see me and, and um, every, every opportunity that, that they got, they would say, hey, how you doing? You know, anything just to interact. So that was uh, an amazing feeling for sure. Um, and now, as far as uh, you know, social media, I've seen a couple of times where the students come up to custodians and say, "Hey, I, I saw you on the, you know, I saw you in that posting. You go, oh, you're that guy. You know, you, you're the guy that was cleaning over there. You're the guy disinfecting here." So that just to see that is is incredible, and 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 it, it you know brings a, a lot of joy to to uh, the custodial department for sure. If there's one takeaway that I hope you have from this episode, it's the power of sharing your story. 
sharing the work you do, sharing your strengths, and sharing your ideas. I'm beyond humbled by the vulnerability of this team and sharing their experiences with us here today on the show. It's actually been a beautiful theme across this season, people being open and vulnerable with their stories and how that's inspired the work that they do, in turn, making them these incredible transformational leaders who are making significant impacts in their areas. I asked the team if they had a message for district leadership to create this culture in other schools, what would that message be? I would say support your teams. I would say trust your staff and listen, listen, listen to staff. Give them the opportunity to do these types of things and to and to create voices. I remember the first time I brought creating a social media account to, to the table. There was a different leadership at the time and it was a completely different thought and approach to it. I actually created a, a, a building services Facebook three years before I created the Instagram and created the Instagram a few months before Jerry joined and was too scared to post anything because I was terrified that superintendents or somebody was going to see it and I was going to get in trouble. I lost the login to the Facebook account. Uh, so every so often I'll see you know myself in my, in my own people you may know. And I'm like, oh crap, I don't even remember the, the login to that anymore. But Jerry came on and he, he, he supported us and right away just let us know that it's okay to be yourself. And he gave us a platform and he gave a voice to the people who wanted to give voices to other people. And if all leadership took that same approach and just, you know, took their own insecurities out of it, because like we said at the beginning of this, we're all people and we're all a little insecure and we all have issues that kind of keep us from doing really great things. But I think if, if, we were to just give voice to that staff, they'll realize that we have a lot of passion here. And that even though, you know, people might make mistakes through not knowing or not being the best, passion will help you get through anything. If you're passionate about something, you can figure it out and you will. You know, like JJ said, no is not an answer. And in the custodial world, no has always not been an answer because at the end of the day, custodians always get it done. We have to, we have no choice. If we don't get it done, schools don't open. I want to say, um, be kind. And this is still a learning process, not for just myself, but just in general. Be kind. You just really don't know what people are going through. Be bold, but not a bully. So just be nice and, you know, and listen to what others have to say because, you know, we don't know what their struggles are. Absolutely. I mean, to the point of everybody's stories that were shared today, you literally have no idea. I would say same, you know, it's like a basketball team, a soccer team, you know, they have to practice before they already know what to do. You know, they have to do the essentials. They have to do the basics. And I think, you know, like Gabriel on the set, we're saying is, uh, and I, and I do this myself outside drive throughs wherever I go. And my kids make fun of, make fun of it because of that, 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 who are you talking to? I'm like, I don't, I don't know who it was. I don't know their name. You know, I say, you want me to start a conversation with them? And they're like, no, no, no. And then they get embarrassed, you know? So first just see how they're doing. You know, how are you? How's your day? Like let's say I said, be kind, you know, let's go back to the basics. But Gabriel was saying, you know, let's listen to each other because we all have something to say. And then sometimes we don't make the time for even ourselves to be able to say, hey, what are you going through right now? What's happening? What's on your mind? Um, and just take take that moment. You know, when somebody comes in my office and says, hey, do you have a minute? I already, I already know my mind is going to be five or 10 minutes. But that's what I'm here for. You know, that's what we're here for. You know, we're sitting in this chair to be able to listen. You know, sometimes they want to talk about 
their day. Sometimes I want to talk about whatever, but my message will be as we are here for them with custodial, you know, just, just trust us. We got this, be here for us and, and know that let's keep the important things first. You know, like let's just say, be kind, you know, go back to the thank yous, go back to the, how are you? How's your day? You know, and if somebody's really having a bad day, take the time. Hey, let's take five minutes and let's find out what's going on. Let's talk. Let's talk. Sometimes it can just be a venting. Five minutes that we want to get off our chest. Absolutely. And to Lizette's point, sometimes, you know, whether it's, it's out loud or it's not out loud, it allows somebody to take action on your behalf that you might not have known was an opportunity for you, which I think is what kids need most. So, right, Emmanuel. Uh, yes. So my message would be to continue coaching, training, allow people to grow and move up listen to them and just allow people to, to be what they want to be and grow into these uh, positions. Like, like you will say earlier, always looking for, for people to plug into different places where others are growing. So, you know, we need to allow others to grow as well and bring them into the, the, uh, the district. So um, that's my message to everybody. Leadership, just allow people to grow. If you're interested in bringing these practices around leadership and social influence to build trust, to encourage creativity, to recognize accomplishments and inspire collective vision to your district and your leadership team, then join me on www.designingschools.org where you can join the waitlist for the masterclass that we'll be hosting this summer. You can find information about this at a link in the show notes as well, or simply send me a message. We'll return next season with a focus on stories about the power of one person taking initiative to create change and the ripple effect that that can have. We'll also be sharing the strategies you can use to create the change that you wish to see. But for now, as we approach May with Mental Health Awareness Month, I'm wishing you all a restful summer and hoping that you take care of yourselves and those around you. As always, thank you so much for joining, for sharing, and for listening to the stories that we share here on the show. It's your turn to join the conversation by sharing what you enjoyed or what questions you have. In a world where time and attention are so valuable, thank you for choosing to listen and for being a part of our Designing Schools community. Leaving a review for the podcast helps others learn about the show, giving them the gift of knowledge and allowing this community to help create access and exposure to ideas and opportunities others may not even know exist.